I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. And welcome to the Back Peg episode 16, I think, Nathan. Episode 16, indeed, Laz. And you've sorted us out another great guest. I try my best, Nathan. We have the pleasure of being joined by Mal Impembiato from Western United, who is the general manager of football there. And we'll get to discuss the success of the A-League women's team playing in their grand final in their first year, amongst other things. Absolutely. It's a great story of West United achieving good success, both in the men's and women's sides of the game in their short time as a football club. Should be a great chat. And joining us on this week's episode of The Back Peg is the general manager of football, at Western United, Mal Impiambato. Mal, thank you very much for your time and joining us on, here on the back peg this week. Thanks for having us, Jess. Mal, it's uh, great to have you on and thanks for your time. Um, and just a bit of background for those that don't know Mal, because he's been around football for a little while. <laughs> just a Not little while, age. Mal. Hey, uh, we're not saying your age, just a little <laughs> while. <right>? But, mate, <laughs> uh, you've, you've been involved with football. Uh, you know, uh, Football Federation Victoria, the Wellington Phoenix, Football Australia, MacArthur FC before joining Western United back in 2020. And quick question is, how does one become the general manager of football for those that are curious to um, to pursue a career in, in football in the professional leagues, be it here or overseas? Yeah, yeah I've been fortunate enough to, um, to be able to fill the role here at Western United as a GM of football and um, I think, as you mentioned there, I've been, um, been fortunate enough to get the opportunity to work at various levels of the game, and um, whether that be at state level, national level, and also in clubland. Um, even going back as far as the old National Soccer League with South Melbourne is where I first uh, started, actually. Now, now you're showing your age. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I came uh, straight out of uni, and uh, that was my first full-time job, so I was quite fortunate to start in the game. Uh, and then my love just as administration officer. So uh, at that point in time, I was just, um, I guess, delighted to be able to still play the game at the same time as still um, be able to obviously pursue a, a bit of a dream in in, uh, in working in the game as well. So uh, at that point in time, there was still an ambition to play the game at the highest level. So I was still trying to pursue that, uh, that opportunity. And then uh, it led me to um, continue to work in this game at various levels. And I've just been fortunate enough to be given the opportunity at, uh, at various clubs and at, at governing body to, to work in the game and, and hopefully have some sort of an impact over the, the short period or, or long period that I've been involved in the game. Well, speaking about impact, well, you've uh, definitely had some success at Western United over the last uh, twelve months. Uh, and it's been a, uh, yeah, busy, busy few months, and uh, yeah, it's been a, an exciting time. Obviously, with the A League men's success last season, um, and I guess a bit of the fairy tale story at the moment being the uh, the fact that we're moving into our A League women's grand final in our inaugural season this Sunday, which is. Uh, a remarkable effort uh, to date in our first season and uh, hopefully we can go all the way and, and bring home a championship for the A-League women's competition in our first season. Yeah, which is what we probably want to focus on actually mainly because it's just a fascinating story with regards to how this new team in terms of the A-League women's competition has come together and been able to find success and had a fairly successful season all the way through into the top four and um you know, uh, got through to the grand final first and yeah. now playing against Sydney FC uh, this coming Sunday um, as we're recording on a Thursday night. But, um, yeah, just take us through the actual process itself because it's fascinating as a point in case and, and I think will serve well for um, those that want to work in football 
as you know as a great case study because it's just a fascinating story so how did the origins of that come about and what's happened in the interim to take us to this grand final appearance coming up on sunday yeah we were um I'd probably say we were quite fortunate to have the foresight to think about what the A-League women's structure was going to look like as a club when we were building this club. In just our fourth year of existence, when this club came to fruition, there was a real journey set out and a pathway set out as to how we'll continue to grow year on year. And um, We obviously created the A-League men's program uh, in the first season. What the ambition was to also create a academy for the boys and girls, and also obviously implement an A-League women's program. So the ability for us to, I would say, be successful this year in our first year and inaugural season in the A-League women's comes down to the probably years of um, the foundations and base of setting up an association with an MPL club and a successful association in Calder United. Mm-hmm. So Calder United participating in the MPL Victoria competition was a club where we've had a really strong affiliation with now almost close to three seasons. So um, if you look at the bulk of our squad, the bulk of our squad have played together for a really long period of time. So um, when you look at the fact that these girls have been together um, at a a relatively semi-professional level at this stage for such a long period, Mm. that certainly held us in good stead. And now we've brought through and given an opportunity for a number of players, coaches and administrators at the MPL level to stand up and play in the A-League women's competition in our first season. And that's no doubt given us a really strong foundations to be successful. Um, did we expect to be in a grand final in our first no. year? Maybe not. <laughs> um, our ambitions, we did say from the start, is we wanted to play finals football. Um, sure. Look, and we've had, like we've said probably previously, a bit of a fairy tale start. The start of the season was probably um, what got us to, to where we are today. I think we were 8-0. and zero. Um, with a, a remarkable um, start to the season. And um, we've been, managed, been able to manage that throughout the rest of the year and secure and just fall short of a, an A-League premiership in our first mm. year, falling mm. short um, to Sydney FC. Uh, but we were able to win our first final away from home and the first team to actually qualify for the A-League Women's Grand Final. So well, I think the unique thing about our football club and different point of difference from our club to the others was that we were able to build the strong foundations over the course of a numbers, number of years mm. to give us the platform to be ready and successful within our first season. And that certainly played a significant part. Um, Amanda Steller and Mark Torcaso have been part of that Calder program since day one almost, and uh, they've brought significant success to that football club over the years um, and the ability to transition from MPL into an A-League women's side in such a short period has been remarkable. And credit to, to both Mark and Amanda um, who have been the catalyst of bringing this together and, and driving this forward. And um, we're just really fortunate to have a group of players and staff and um, support staff that have been fantastic uh, to work with and have really taken this journey uh, with both hands and 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 should be duly rewarded hopefully on Sunday with a with a championship win. Regardless of result, mm. uh, we're certainly um, delighted with how that first season has come about. Yeah. However, because when you get this far, you're certainly pushing for for success. That's for sure on Sunday. Yeah, Mal, pleasure to have you on the podcast, and uh, you join us as we've been saying at a very good time for the club, where we have the women's grand final coming up this weekend, the men's being champions last season, still an outside shot of making the finals this time around. Just speaking about the club on a more broader sense, how important is it that the successes on the pitch affect the off-the-pitch metrics? Because 
when you compare, say, yourselves to the other club that came in at this round of expansion with MacArthur, both have had their stick, both have had their issues off the field, but your your team having major success in both the men's and the women's side of things, sure, that's got a massive impact on the club away from the field as well. Yeah, um, I guess with our focus and being the jam of football, I guess we wanted to bring together a program that can compete uh, at both A-League men's, A-League women's, and also from an academy perspective in our youth team. So I think we mustn't forget that our youth teams have been in operation now for only a couple of seasons as well. And we've been promoted from MPL 3 into MPL 2. And we mm. currently sit equal top of MPL 2 with just... Uh, I think it was just 10 games in at the moment. So mm. um, we've put a really strong focus in making sure, and we're really uh, fortunate to have a board and a chairman and a group of um, people that will support us and give us the, the platform to be successful. And uh, we've got the tools and the necessary resources to be able to be successful on field. And um, th- as you know, that doesn't normally um, always relate to success straight away. You, you definitely have to bring in the right people. And then culturally, you have to have the right culture. And I think when we strip it all back, um, we've been fortunate to set up the base and the foundations really strong from the start, from a football sense, in ensuring that we had a really good, strong culture that would be driven consistently across our all of our programs. So our A-League men, our A-League women and our, and our youth programs um, follow the exact same methods and philosophy around what we expect as a Western United uh, employee or or anyone that's part of the football club. And those base and foundations, I think, really set the, the benchmark and the tone. Um, and they're the things that really give you an opportunity to remain sustainably successful because that's the hardest part, right? Um, the mm. toughest part, we, we won an A-League championship with the A-League men's competition last season. And as you can see, if you don't continue to improve mm. and you don't continue to to add to your programs and um, other clubs do move and, and, and we'll catch you relatively quickly. So we, we've mm. noticed that this season and um, we'll learn from that as well. And um, But we're pretty confident with the base and the foundations that we're set and culturally. Um, I think that's the most important thing that we, we are going to ever do as a club is we need to set that base. So football-wise, we're delighted with what we've done and been able to do in such a short mm. period of time. But as you said, when, we, when we're the third team that's come into a market in Melbourne, there has to be a bit of a point of difference. And I think... and. And, and fair to everyone that does question us around, obviously, the fact that we haven't moved into our new facility and our new uh, precinct yet. Um, that's fair to them to, to actually challenge us around that kind of stuff because, um, for me, that's going to be the, the biggest point of difference for our club. Um, and it is also going to be a game changer for, for not only just Australian football, but Australian sport um, mm. when this does come to fruition. So uh, the good thing is, from that perspective, this facility is actually up and running. I'm not too sure if you guys have actually yeah. seen. Yeah, and no, I've seen, uh, seen parts of mine. Yeah, yeah so where we're at at the moment. Yeah, how far, um, how far down the line are you, um, Mel, and yeah, when so is the think- project complete? Yeah, so at this stage, I think it's in stages. So we've, we've obviously the, the precinct that's being built at the moment is the, the actual training facility, but that mm-hmm. training facility is now being earmarked as by the club as being upgraded to be able to move in and play games out of there in season 23, 24. So right. that's a real game changer for us. When we can go sure. into our, 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 I guess, our, um, our own facility mm-hmm. and in our own um, demographic market where we're supposed to be placed in the West, um, I think that's really going to change the dial for us as a football club off the field. So um, we've got a really small group of loyal fans that have followed us across many areas. So um, we're, we're quite fortunate that, that these people who have followed us from day one, we have sent them to multiple locations. So um, the fact that they've remained with us up until this point um, has been amazing. And we definitely know that once we do go into our, our new uh, precinct, that that will certainly help us as a club off the field as well. 
And it's good that you mentioned those fans that have followed you around the state and some down to Tasmania as well for some home games. I'd like to draw a slight parallel to the North Queensland Cowboys in rugby league where you have people driving hours to drive to Townsville to go and watch the games. This is something that I think we can look forward to from your club in years to come where you've once had the, once have the stadium up and running and you have a real hub of everything going on West United in the area. It's going to be great to see people coming from across the state to arrive in Tarnit to see the games, not just the people in your local catchment. Yeah, absolutely. We really want to create a fortress. And I think when you go into Tarnit and you go into Western United's football club, um, that you're going to know that you're in the green and black territory of Western United. And I think that's a real point of difference that we can hopefully create in a short period of time when we do move there. That might be a staged approach. Ultimately, like we said, it's going to be the training facility that will be there in the first instance. Uh, and then from there, they'll build a precinct and the project which is inclusive of a sporting precinct entertainment precinct retail mm. and commercial so um you're ultimately looking at a, 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 a little suburb that's being mm. built uh around one part being a football club and the rest of it being um i guess an entertainment complex for those that live in the west and um we're really fortunate enough to be a part of that and hopefully there's there's an opportunity for us to move from stage one to stage two of building the larger stadium and um, building our footprint in the West. And I think that's going to be a really important turning point for our football club. Uh, with regard to the youth that you've, the youth program that you've got at uh, Western United, uh, have you lent on called the United for that as well, similar to the women's in order to bring talent through? Is there a relationship there ongoing? Like what's the role of called the United uh, with, in terms of, you know, Western United there. Yeah, so at the moment, there's no A-League clubs at this stage that are able to have a full academy structure. I think Newcastle Jets are, are one of the yeah, first clubs yeah. who actually have a, a full structure from uh, youth all the way through That's the right. first yeah. team. So we've had this in place for three years, but just under the Calder brand. So the affiliation uh, and association with Calder United allows us to progress players from ultimately under 13s all the yeah. way through to first team. Whilst it's not named and under the name of Western United Football sure. Club, uh, we work in unison with that club to provide mm. opportunities for talented players in the West. And that's, I think, like I said previously, that the, the, I guess the catalyst in giving us the best opportunity to be where we are right now in the A-League women's competition. So um, the opportunity for young girls in the West to, to progress through the Calder program and ultimately into our A-League women's first team is certainly the pathway that we've created at this point in time. But that not, that's not necessarily the only way that you can come into our program. It's obviously a, an affiliation and association that we've developed over time that has helped us to get to where we are today. But ultimately, we want to be representative of all the clubs in the West. And obviously, every girl and aspiring young, talented footballer in the West, we hope to be able to provide that opportunity at Western United. And that's the same with our boys program. We've just implemented the under-14s through the under-20s competition, under-18s competition, sorry, uh, whereas we had the 21s and 23s for the last couple of seasons. So now we've got a full structure in the A-League men's, full structure in the A-League women's. Um, I think we've even taken on a, a futsal program this season. So we've got wow. a Western United Great. football club. Uh, I think we're the first uh, A-League club yeah, to have their own I was going to say you would be the first, yeah. Program, yeah. yeah. So uh, we've just taken that on recently. I think we've uh, I've taken on a club that was uh, formerly the Western uh, Wolves, I think they were called, mm -hmm. and uh, we've now got our footprint in the uh, the futsal program, which is obviously another program. It's quite unique to to the the, the outdoor market. We haven't obviously jumped into that as A League clubs, sure. but um, we're now, I guess, a whole program. We're, we're, we're whole as such. We've got the mm -hmm. men's, the women's, the youth, and and also the football program. So, um, from a football sense, we're really really happy with where we are today. But we certainly know that we need to continue to improve and enhance our program because obviously each club will continue to improve each year and 
Um, we, we certainly can't sit on our laurels whilst we've done a really good job at this point in time. Um, we certainly know we've got a long way to go to continue to be, um, I guess, a power or someone to be reckoned with in this market because we've got two um, but two two competitive clubs in, in yeah. solely in Melbourne yeah. as well that we were yeah, up against, right? right? So mm. um, we need to continuously improve in order to be at the top of our game. And yes, we won a championship in the A-League men's in, in our third season. And um, that was after probably a significant change in that 12 months beforehand and obviously changing coach and a, a little bit of a culture shift around the football club. And we made some significant changes that resulted in a championship in our first season under a new regime with John and um, so we need to continue to evolve, continue to improve, and um, we certainly have competitors out there that uh, will continue to do so. So we need to make sure that we're we're balancing that as well. Uh, with Diamante, um, you know, announcing his uh, retirement from football, uh, what is the plan as far as recruitment now? Because you, you've, you're quite unique in the way that you actually, I find, you're quite unique in the in the way that you approach your overseas recruitment. Um, I've noticed that there's been. Kone in the past, Prijevic, uh, you know, who's played in, in, in Greece and Italy and, and elsewhere, Diamante. Like, uh, are you looking again to, you know, the markets of Italy, Greece, Serbia, like Turkey for for uh, experienced players to come out that have played at a decent level? Is that uh, something that's ongoing with the club? Or Yeah, we're, we're quite fortunate. Again, like I said, the club has given us the opportunity to be able to look at those players of that kind of calibre. I think we're we're quite lucky that we get the resources to be able to even consider those kind of players. So mm. um, the fact that we were able to bring in a player such as Deer uh, in our first season, the, the impact that he's had at our football club, both on and off the field in the four years that he's been at our club has been enormous. And um, just to be able to have a player of that calibre at our club, uh, at a new emerging club, was, was, uh, was certainly a privilege and honour to have a player of that calibre at our club. And... Um, his career is, has been phenomenal, obviously, abroad, and also yeah. the impact that he had here in his first season was remarkable. Um, the Johnny Warren medalist mm. um, in his first season. That's right. Uh, scoring goals, assists, involved in everything that was successful in our first year of uh, the club's existence. And then, obviously, the impact that he's had both um, in and around the club and, mm. and, and obviously externally as well has been phenomenal. So we're quite fortunate. Uh, and it is quite sad to see someone that uh, is is hanging up the boots uh, this season and obviously against Perth on the weekend, he'll play his final professional football game and um, we're really fortunate to have been able able to have a player of that calibre at our club and we wish him every success with his next steps and and, and wherever he leads and we no doubt he'll be successful in regardless of of where he lands in respect to what he does post-football but um, uh, we're quite delighted to be able to have a player of that kind of nature. And mm. um, when it comes to recruiting moving forward, we're certainly obviously well and truly, John and I and, the, uh, and our recruitment group are, are working really closely on, on enhancing our squad for next season. Absolutely, will there be some changes? Um, we will certainly look to rejuvenate and refresh the squad. Um, we did have a, a two-year plan when John came in around trying to put together a squad that was competitive and could challenge for for final series and trophies. And uh, and like I said, we, we were quite fortunate to be able to do that in our first season, mm. um, last season under John. And uh, this season has been a challenging year. We, we certainly haven't been um, where we expect to be. Um, we, we, we certainly are disappointed that we're going down to the last game whilst mathematically we're still in contention to play finals. It will be a bit of a challenge to, to get through on Sunday. But 
the way the A League is at the moment, mate, I wouldn't say. Who knows? <laughs> it's been tough since early. With not having, if you look at the Adelaide and Perth game last oh, yeah. week, I mean, oh, three, yeah. three, two in the ninety-third minute, and uh, it ends four-four. So, yeah, um, it's uh, anything is possible. So we'll go into this game with some hope. Um, but if we do fall short, we're certainly, obviously, still making sure that we are looking at next year and beyond to enhance our squad. And um, absolutely, there'll be some foreign players that that we may move on. There'll be some foreign players that we do bring in. Um, we obviously need to manage that within the constraints of budget mm. and also salary cap. Um, and we'll make those decisions hopefully in the next few few weeks as to where we'll enhance that squad and uh, and where those deficiencies lie. And we'll, we'll certainly bring in some players both locally and abroad um, to enhance that squad to make sure that we are competitive again next season. Just You were talking about the two-year plan you had with John Aloisi where you were surprised to have been so successful in, the, in year one. What's it like, not necessarily from your personal first-hand experience this season, but just in general terms? When Because in football, when we have a two-year plan and it comes off, it's a big surprise and massive success. To be ahead of time is even better and something that's pretty much unheard of. What's what was the mentality going into this season and just in general when you're so far ahead of schedule? Where to? What do you do? You've already climbed the mountaintop and you've still got time to spare. Yeah, certainly. So we we went into year one of the, I guess, that two-year plan with John with the ability to say we need to get back to playing finals football immediately after a really poor season the year before that. Um, so we wanted to refresh the squad. But when you do make 13, 14 changes as we did, we know that's a lot of changes. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time to navigate uh, to find where you're at and to find the relevant form to give yourself an opportunity to be successful. Now, um, we were able to do that in such a short period of time under extremely challenging circumstances with COVID. Um, We probably set out a bit of a plan initially and said at the start of that year, we brought everyone in and we said, this is not going to be, this is not going to be a normal season. This is not going to be a normal season week to week. We're going to be facing challenges uh, that will change and evolve daily. So we need to say that we we no excuses. We'll move on. We'll deal with what we're dealt. Uh, we'll work with within the constraints that we're given, and we know it's going to evolve. Um, we really drilled that into our group initially when we from day one of preseason. Um, we were really drilling our players with change will will happen, change will occur, and we know with change some people don't adapt so well. But we wanted to drill that into the group to say that we need to be resilient. We need to be strong and need to get through those kind of things. And the group that we had was phenomenal. You know, we, we had some fantastic leaders that we brought in. Uh, people probably questioned us around the experience that we brought in because we did bring a number of players that were over the age of 30. Um, but we knew we had to turn things around relatively quickly. So the players that we brought in were strategic in respect to their role that they would play. Um, and we wanted to make sure that they would have an impact in a relatively short period of time. So uh, we were able to do that in year one and come away with a championship. And and I think people say, well, what do you do when you, when you win a championship? How do you then go next deal? Well, the first day you come back from pre-season, there's already a new challenge there because there's an expectation from everywhere around the world, that, uh, around the, 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 the league, that um, you are now the targeted ones, you know, the ones that people expect something from and, and people are going to expect that uh, you are going to be one of the ones that will challenge it. I don't think probably many people expected that under the first year of John with the change. Uh, but in year two, um, we were able to 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 obviously put a challenge out to our group to say, well, now's a different challenge, right? 
now is a challenge that, that the clubs and 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 spectators and, and fans and the media will also be expecting us to be competitive. So it's a new challenge that we need to face. Let's see how we adapt in that sense. So um, we had a really poor start to this season. Um, and we'll do a review at the end of this season to see what we can unfold and, and see as to the reasons why that was the case. And we've been playing catch-up football since. And it's, it, it, it hasn't really... Uh, eventuated as we would have liked. Yes, we've had a number of injuries as well that uh, certainly doesn't help. Uh, but when you do start the season so poorly, um, you are playing catch-up football. And we've been fortunate enough that this season is incredible, remarkable, the, the latter. Uh, mm. I think going into the last game, we've, you know, up to last week, I think we had you know eight clubs pursuing you know, fifth to twelfth, I think it was. Mm. Uh, it, it was quite tight, and you could have finished anywhere between fifth and twelfth still. So um, it's been quite tight, um, but we haven't been able to obviously just, uh, I guess, go that next level. We had some consistency in there somewhere along the line. We won three on the trot, and then we went across to Brisbane Raw um, to really cement a place in the six, and we we lost over there. Uh, we then had the opportunity against Sydney FC, and that was probably the one where we we. Um, we probably had the greatest opportunity to cement our position in that six. And uh, we're up 1-0, we're up 2-1, we're up 3-1. Mm. Uh, and then to come away with a 3 all draw was quite disappointing in the end. Mm. Um, I think that probably hurt us a little. Um, and now we've been catching you know, a bit of catch-up football since. We, we went away to Adelaide and had a fantastic result. Um, and then we, we came into a big game against Melbourne City last week. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get across the line. So, um, yeah, we were certainly disappointed that the season hasn't gone to plan. Um, we, we feel we've been planning, obviously, for some time now as to what the transition of um, looks like for us for next year. And we're in a really good spot at the moment. We've got 17 contracted players um, at this point in time for next year. Um, we'll look to enhance the squad again over the course of uh, the pre-season period. Um, the longest pre-season in world sporting history will continue once again and we'll try and navigate that. And um, We'll start again in, in probably June, June July and yeah. to and look to start the, the season in October. So that's a challenge within itself, right? Mm, I mean, the clubs that yeah. can get that right, mm. um, you've got to make sure you don't peak too early. You've got to make sure you don't be too late. You've got to find the right mix and the right balance. And um, that's a really difficult thing to navigate, right? You've got to get that right and um, because it's it's such a long, unprecedented uh, pre-season that you've just got to manage. Um, the Australia Cup helps. Um, yep. That'll obviously add some competitive matches in the mix. Um, and then you've just got to be able to at least hopefully set up some pre-season matches, which you can do now. Obviously, in that COVID period, we weren't able to do that either. Yeah, so, sure. Um, with, with the flexibility now to hopefully travel and, and play games interstate and, and have some competitive matches um, against other A-League opposition, that will certainly help us. So uh, I was going to ask the challenges that you face as a football club, and I'm glad you actually mentioned that pre-season because that is – it's a unique one in terms of football worldwide, right, where you have such a long period between seasons. Is that the toughest challenge that you face as the head of football at Western United or are there other challenges that are on the horizon which you're starting to look and go, okay, well, that's uh, not so bad. We can actually manage that because we've got the experience of having it done, you know, having done it over previous years, in particular over the COVID period, right, you, you've been able to adapt. But what – other challenges that you're facing now and what challenges do you see over the horizon? I think one of the biggest challenges we face as a sport is the the overlapping calendars of football where you've got a an A-League men's program that's running from, you know, October through to, to May. Mm. And I've got an NPL program that's running from March through to September. 
Mm. Uh, I've then got players that are going on leave that are uh, age eligible to play in the MPL, but they'll go yeah. on leave at a certain period of time and they won't sure. compete in the MPL. So the, the balancing of our squad roster and the, the ability to give appropriate match minutes and game time to players under the age of 23 is really important. But you don't have any control over that because you've got players that are playing under MPL Victoria competition organisational structure, mm-hmm. which is run and managed by Football Victoria, but yep. we're playing in an APL competition run and managed by the APL. Mm. They don't necessarily align mm. in respect to their registration and uh, regulation requirements. So it's a bit of a challenge in ensuring that we can get appropriate match minutes and game time. So mm. uh, I guess throughout the season when these guys are not playing first-team football in the A-League men's, they've got nowhere to play. So one of the biggest challenges we face in the old Again, showing my age in the old National Soccer League when you had the old National Youth League um, that was running at, at a similar sort of time. Players that were playing in the uh, in the old NSL, you weren't mm. playing in the first team. You were able to head back to the Youth League and and play some match minutes there. And and those guys were playing. Um, we were playing thirty games at that point in time of youth football at that point in time as well. Um, whereas now we've got overlapping seasons. Um, one playing in winter, one playing in summer. So that's a significant challenge um, within itself as well. So um, adding to the long pre-season, absolutely, you need to make sure that you you bring players in um, that come in for a certain period of time. They need to be conditioned and ready for October when the season starts. So if you bring them in in June, you really need to balance what that, you know, that pre-season looks like because mm. um, by the time the season starts, um, you need the players to be buzzing. You need the players to be ready for round one. And if they've been coming into the same environment for four months, it's it's a bit of a challenge, right, to keep them up mentally and uh, emotionally and physically, right? So um, that's certainly one of the challenges we face as a club. And we try to break it up by seeing if we can get to um, pre-season camps elsewhere, the ability to move away from the same facility day in, day out. So that repetitive nature, um, we try and take away those kind of things that hopefully – um, can alleviate those problems as you come to round one and everyone's ready to go. So um, that's a challenge within itself. And then you've got an Australia Cup competition, which is a fantastic cup competition. It's great. that it can bring together all forms of the game. It, it's fantastic. But unfortunately, because it doesn't align with, you know, everyone's calendars, it's it's quite a challenge to actually navigate through that as well. So mm. um, I guess that's the, those kind of things I think will always be a challenge, right? And we as a club have to prioritise um, and get things right, right. So you have to obviously say, you know what, well, we want to be prepared for those kind of games, but we also need to take into consideration that we've got an A-League season that commences in October. Um, so you've just got to really find that balance. So they're the kind of things that there's a lot that goes into it. Um, mm. There's so much um, the thought process behind what we do and how we do things yeah. might seem yeah. a little bit um, hard to understand from the outside looking in, but from the inside, you've got to take into consideration these all these other factors that, that come into you know, consideration. So um, certainly a challenge uh, moving forward. Do we envisage any other challenges? You know, well, I, I don't know if, if, if mm. these calendars were ever aligned, right? So yeah, I don't that's... know if that's ever going to change. There's been, there's been chat about this for years yeah. that the calendars have been a, a challenge. There's been chat around, obviously, the, the National Youth League when it was removed in its existence because of the cost of football clubs. Um, what we would do, we, we integrated, obviously, um, A-League academies into MPL programs, and we thought that would be the answer to, to things. But... Um, there's just not enough games. You know, these kids yeah. are playing 22 matches a year as well. So um, when you're under the age of 23, you, you really need to be playing mm. a, lot of, a lot more game time. And mm. um, unfortunately, we just don't have the ability to do so. So I think there's you know, there's obviously talk going at the moment. There's a number of workshops and a number of groups that are working towards what's the plan to enhance that program moving forward. So everyone is, I guess, identifying and understanding there are some challenges there. It's just trying to 
find out how we obviously you know get that right understanding we've got some constraints around um you know financially for clubs as well to obviously invest in that that, that space is is obviously a costly exercise so we need to find the, the the right balance around finding appropriate game time for our younger talented players whilst also doing it within the constraints of what we're actually able to do as a-league clubs yeah plenty of challenges uh, surrounding Australian football and some which hopefully can be fixed in years to come but others are, I really think uh, it's going to be something we have to deal with for, for many many years uh now one of the last ones I've, I've got for you is that we have the two new locations for A-League expansion being Canberra and Auckland based on what you've learned your time at West United and what you've observed what would be your advice to those administrators who take charge of those clubs yeah I think the biggest learning from startup new club I'm quite fortunate because I was I was at West. I was at Wellington Phoenix in its first season. Um, I was at Macarthur FC before we even actually commenced, and and then I was lucky enough to come into. I guess I came into Western United in our second season. Um, so I've been at a number of startup clubs. I think the biggest thing from my end is to make sure that the foundations and the base that you set, I guess, the strongest um, points of which you need to focus on in the initial stages, because I think the easiest part is you'll get a team on the part, you'll get players. You'll find players. There's always going to be players. You'll you'll always be able to um, put a team together. I guess the foundations and base to enhance uh, and engage with your community, I think, is the most important thing. So you really need to resonate with the people that you represent. And then someone like Canberra, who have got that whole state to to work with, I think putting your arms around all the local clubs to understand what they want from a professional football club um, in their area is is extremely important, right? So um, you you need to be able to um, you need to be able to represent everyone in Canberra and that whether that be a community MPL or, or professional level, ultimately it's going to be one club that hopefully every um, every player wishes to aspire to play for. Um, so if you're able to engage the community, you're able to connect with them, I think that's going to put you in a great uh, position. And I, I think that's what we what will help Canberra in that sense. They've also got a purpose-built football stadium or a mm. purpose-built rectangular stadium, so that's certainly going to help. Um, Auckland, in respect to that, they've obviously tried before in the, in the NSL space and also in the start and the commencement of the A-League with the Auckland Kings as well and the Football Kings. Um, that's quite a big market, though. Um, so Auckland's quite, again, stadia-wise, they've got fantastic stadia out there as well. Um, the ability to connect with the local the local market is certainly going to be something that will will hold them in good stead. They're now going to have a rivalry with the you know the Wellington Phoenix, so there's going to be a New Zealand um, New Zealand derby in there as well, which will certainly go well. But um, look, I remember when I was at Wellington, and even this season, Wellington also played some games out of Auckland, and I'm not sure what that would look like if there's mm. going to be a new franchise in that that hometown. So for me, connecting with the community, I think, is the most important thing for any club or any emerging and new club that's coming into the market. The most important thing is to put your arm around those participants that are already there, that are engaged and love football. Um, you need to be able to resonate with them and say, well, we are your professional team in this environment and what do you want from us and how do we work together to make sure that we can make this the most successful we game? Mel, thank you very much for your time. You've been most generous with it um, this evening. Um, just wanted to you know, congratulate the players, the staff of both the men's and the women's team um, for their seasons and best of luck to the women's team in particular for the grand final coming on Sunday and uh, congratulations to yourself and all, all the support staff there at um, and coaching staff at Western United because it's uh, been a really good story under difficult circumstances as well, the trying uh, circumstances over recent years. But um, uh, we uh, look forward to seeing the continued success of Western United in the, the years to come. And thanks for joining us on thanks, the Backpegs. No, I appreciate it, gents. Thanks very much for the time and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on. <laughs>